0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall, and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partners who make this podcast possible. And this month, that's Cotic, the Strength Factory, and Magura. If you follow the podcast for a while, then you'll know that I ride a Cotic Rocket Max and absolutely love it. But I also love Cotic's ethos as a brand. Cotic is a small company who are focused on their customers and doing great things for the sport. Being customer focused is always an awesome thing, but with global supply chains still in a mess, it's even more important than ever. Kotic will do everything they can to help you get a new bike. They offer partial builds so you can swap over good parts from your current bike. They'll even let you send them parts that you've sourced and they'll build them straight onto your shiny new bike for you. With Kotic, it really is your bike built for you. Give them a call and you'll speak to an actual human who's going to help you through the process of getting your dream build ready to go. Also, with UK manufacturing of their suspension bikes, they often have stock when others don't. And if after all of that, you don't get on with your new ride, they offer a 30-day or your money back guarantee. So if you're in the market for an awesome new bike, then give them a call. Kotic genuinely believe that good things come from mountain biking becoming more diverse and inclusive. And as a part of that, they've put together a group called Kotic's Women of Steel. The aim is to create a friendly space to ask questions, organize rides, and to encourage more women to get involved in mountain biking. It's not just for Cotic owners, it's for anyone who identifies as a woman to have a place to come and enjoy mountain biking with a new group of friends. They organize rides, skill sessions, dig days, and more, and the group has been super popular with nearly 400 members so far. If you're keen to get involved, then search for Cotic's Women of Steel on Facebook. If you want to find out more about Kotick in general and check out their awesome bikes, you can do that over at kotick.co.uk. Ben from the Strength Factory came on the show late last year to help us everyday riders with their fitness. The episode is full of awesome information and it's been really popular. If you've not listened yet, then you can find it at downtimepodcast.com forward slash everyday dash fitness. Let's face it, who doesn't want to be fitter and better on the bike? Unfortunately, most people set off on their training with great intentions, but don't stick with it often because they've bitten off more than they can chew. The Strength Factory's over 40s mountain bike program doesn't promise you abs in four weeks. They want to make your whole year better. The over 40s MTB program is an achievable 20 week plan that's designed to fit around the ups and downs that life throws at us. That way you can stick at it, be consistent and feel the benefits. The program is flexible, so you can hit the gym if you like, but you can also do it at home with just a few cheap resistance bands. So it's really simple to get going. If you feel like you've got tons of time and energy, access to a gym and you want more, then you probably need the Strength Factory's complete MTB program. It kicks off with an eight week foundation, moving to a monthly subscription for a training plan that's going to get you fit and strong for riding and racing alongside the strength sessions there's also mobility sessions and progressive sprint and interval training sessions to get you ready for anything a ride or an event can throw at you it's a great program but definitely more of a time commitment than the over 40s mountain bike program so please be honest with yourself and pick the plan that suits you best so if you want to be better this year and either of those programs takes your fancy then head over to thestrengthfactory.uk now and check them out that's thestrengthfactory.uk All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss an episode of the podcast, please make sure you're following us wherever it is you listen. There's going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe. So hit that now. If you can't find the button, then downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe has links to all the major platforms there to help you. Also, please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. That way you'll be able to keep up to date with what we're up to and never miss a thing. This week's episode is also supported by Magura and they have got an awesome giveaway for you. Ever wanted to be like a pro rider and have access to all the kits to make your bike perfect just for you? Well, Magura are giving one lucky listener the chance to win a massive customise your brake set, including their awesome MT7 Pro brakes, along with a package of their different customization options, like brake levers and pads, so you can try the options and get it set up just for you. To be in with a chance to win, you need to head over to my Instagram at Downtime Podcast and find the post from Monday, the 24th of January, which shows all the break options. Then you need to make sure you're following me and Magura, which is at Magura underscore bicycle and tag three friends in the comments who you think would also want to enter. A lucky winner will be chosen at random on the 1st of March. So you've got until the end of February to enter. Best of luck. Right. I'm joined today by Dominic and Tibor from Magura we're going to be going behind the scenes at Magura and finding out a bit more about the company and what they're up to Hear about how they began their relationship with Loic Bruni and how they worked together on the design of his brake lever. We also chat about their work with Danny McCaskill and Danny Hart too. find out about the thinking behind some of their design choices, like why they only make organic pads and why bigger discs aren't always better. Find out why Magura think that one brake doesn't suit everyone and how they solve that with numerous options for performance, ergonomics and aesthetics. They also offer some tips on how to keep your brakes functioning at their best. It's clear that Magira think a little differently than the other brake manufacturers and it was really interesting to find out more. So without further ado, here's Dominic and Tibor. Dominic Voss and Tibor Shimai, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. Dominic, we'll start with you. Um, how things first off? Are you, are you well?
1: Yeah, I'm well. Thanks, Thanks for having me. i um, uh to be honest I'm I'm a bit nervous because you have so many listeners but I'm also pretty pretty proud to be here um yeah thanks for having us
0: Ah it's a pleasure can you give us a like a brief introduction then to yourself and what it is that you do at Magura
1: Yeah sure sure my my name is Dominic I'm uh 20 years old and I'm uh, at Magura responsible for the content and PR management which means that I'm in charge of uh, product lounge, product introductions, but I'm also the the contact person for the international press and media, and that's more or less perhaps uh, the the work I enjoy the most uh, together with the work with our athletes. Because I'm I'm also in the in the glad position that I'm able to create some some stories and uh, interesting topics together with our teams, and I think that's why I am uh, here to, here today and uh privately yeah i'm in the past i was more or less a cross-country rider so perhaps i'm i'm a bit wrong in this place here it's a, a downtime down podcast but no just just kidding um i was i was doing a few races in the past and at the moment yeah i'm just uh, riding for fun every every type of bikes
0: yeah good stuff you're a busy man and tibo how's things with you
2: I'm fine, Chris. Thanks for having us here. And uh, yeah, I'm turning 50 in a month. No way. Wow. Yeah. Like even Hans is older than me. And uh, (laughs) I'm a a former, like my background is I'm a former BMX racer. And uh, when, when we first saw this movie ET, we were all impressed and like BMX was my life. And then I switched to mountain bike dual slalom. First of all, it was dual slalom. Then they switched to four cross. And I did, like, pretty much both in the 90s. And um, when you get older, especially in that business with all the accidents you have, injuries and all that stuff, then you have two options, I would say. One option is, like, you do something totally different. And the other option is, like, maybe working with the brands together. They sponsored you as an athlete. And for me, that was kind of a, a normal step because I was all... Like always in the in the technical engineering thing, and I was always impressed by working on bikes and all that stuff. So I was more or less you called it like it's a bit flat, like the brand ambassador thing. But what, what is the work of a brand ambassador? It's everything. It's everything. You're gonna you're gonna introduce the, the products to the press. You're gonna be on uh, exhibitions. You're gonna be the front man at the Magura booth, for example, or or whatever yeah or you're going to do camps or you help with the production you go to the OE's and um and do stuff show the mechanics how to mount the brakes and show the these little precise things so that's more or less my my kind of work at Magura and nice. the way I came to Magura that's a different story <laughs> <laughs> go on tell us oh really okay so i'm a heavy man like i would say 95 kilos i don't know uh-huh. in pounds and Um, The Bike Magazine, it's a German, it's a German, European, German magazine. And uh, they did a brake test. I was with the other brand and Magura was the only brake. I could ride a a nose wheelie, stoppy, with one finger, with one (laughs) finger on the lever with my weight. And I was so Uh impressed. I called Magura and like Dominic knows her, like Claudia Maura back in the days. She said like, no, Tibor, like our program is full. I said, like, yeah, yeah, let's do something. And she said, no, no, listen, it's full. And I said, like, hey, I come over. She's like, you don't listen to me. And then I went there. It's a 250K drive. Uh-huh. I went there, knocked on the door. And it was, <laughs> and I said, like, no, 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 we work together. This is the best break in the world. So I would, like, my style is when you're 100% behind a product, it's easy to work with. And on the other side, you can inspire people. But you tested the brakes, and I'm yeah really uh, looking forward to say, to uh, to hear what you think about the brakes.
0: Definitely, but, yeah. Well, we can we can talk about that a bit later for right, sure.
2: Right.
0: So that's Dominic, my story. good stuff, man. Well, Dominic, give us a bit of history, right? Because um, Magura has a long history way before mountain biking even started. So can you give us a bit of background?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, as you know, we we are still in a German-based uh, company. And uh, we started back in the days, it was uh 90, 1893, so uh, more than 125 years ago. And we are pretty f- proud that we are still existing. So uh, a long company tradition is is behind us. And at the moment, we are sitting in the, the south of Germany. I think perhaps the listeners know Stuttgart. If you just go uh, one hour by car a bit south from Stuttgart, then we are here. So also the Alps are not too far away. And we also have some some nice mountains uh, to test our products. And we are still uh, family owned. And that's where we are pretty proud of. We are in the fourth generation of our founder. And yeah, but Magura is actually only uh, half of our company name. We are called uh, Magura Gustav Magenwirt, which Uh comes comes down to our founder, who was uh, Gustav Magenwirt, and who... Um, yeah founded founded the company and yeah I said 125 years ago the company was founded and um, yeah, if you just uh, did you did you heard about products that were in in this in this year's quiz it was it was the time of the first cast so hard, hard to remember for us. Um, and that was also the the field where uh, Gustav Magen had started. Because back in the days, uh, Stuttgart is not far away and Mercedes-Benz was, was founded in, in Stuttgart. And also Gustav Magenwitt was one of the colleagues of uh, Karl Benz, who invented the first uh, the first motor cars um, uh-huh. for, for everybody, everybody here in, in Germany. So our, our base actually is in the automotive sector. Um,
2: and yeah. And, so and Gustav and uh, Chris and Gustav was was the guy. He was not like, he was not looking for um, inventing something. He was a problem solver. Uh-huh. He was well known in Germany for a problem solver. So he was helping brands, big brands, like to solve their little problems, their little issues they have with with, with a few products.
1: Yeah. Cool. First, first he helped uh, Mercedes Benz, and then afterwards, which. Is, is still existing. He helped uh, BMW to solve a problem with their motorcycles. They had some problems that the, the cable of the throttle uh, broke too often. And then he did an invention uh, to to solve this product. And it was pretty, pretty common in, in Germany and also in Europe that uh, all the motorcycles of BMW, BMW were using this kind of throttle grip. And then this continues and more and more, Motorcycle manufacturers uh, were having Magura parts. So in the, in the ninth, uh, in the, yeah, from, from this years on, um, we were more or less a, a brand for motorcycle parts. Amazing.
0: And you had some parts on the Volkswagen Beetle as well, right? Which was a huge product. Like so many of those have been made in history.
2: I guess, I guess that saved Magura's uh, butt, I would say, because they <laughs> did the fuel gorge. And imagine, like we you work with motorcycles, and then you have the option to work with Volkswagen together and delivering the fuel gauge and like I would say trucks, like all the day, tons of trucks with this little fuel gauge amazing amazing that must be like in the 60s 64 65 something Uh and there were many sold yeah yeah fair play yeah
0: and also i mean you guys made i think the first hydraulic rim brakes which for a mountain bike which were huge back in the 90s especially in the trial scene like that fluorescent yellow brake was the thing to have and also the first hydraulic disc brakes for mountain bikes too right
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that was our start in the, in the bicycle segment. As as I mentioned, we we did swaddle uh, grips and also brake masters and brakes for motorcycles. But um, then, in in the end of um, the the eighties and the nineties, where also the the cars get more and more common for everybody, um, and everybody was was changing from from motorcycles to cars. Then we had some. Problems that our sales numbers were also decreasing, and we and we needed a, a yeah a new product uh, to to sell. And at the same time, we we had the lucky situation that this uh, trend of mountain biking began in in Europe, and especially in Europe, everybody was looking to the U.S. Uh, and those guys over there were riding downhill with the bikes off roads, That was completely new in Germany, and we also had, I think, no real products which were suitable for this new kind of riding yeah. and then our R&D employees and our teams were just uh, putting their heads together and invented this first hydraulic rim brake uh, to to break bicycles um, especially for for this new mountain bike trend and that was the the first time we changed
2: from motorcycle mm-hmm. to uh, to bicycle and not even Chris, not even the guys on the trials bike. Like, remember, you know Johnny T? Yeah,
0: yeah, I do. Yeah,
2: I was riding for him in two thousand with his uh-huh. with his own brand, and he was using the HS thirty three, but not in the race yellow. Yeah, he had this race red. He had a race red rim brake, a hydraulic rim brake on his downhill bike when he when he went down. I I, I don't know. It was. Uh, mammoth mammoth mountain yeah. with this uh, disc wheel this tayoga disc wheel yeah
1: I remember that was that. a day yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and the, and yeah, the brakes
2: maybe. the brakes were so strong they didn't need a booster because of that they were so strong that the 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 chain so stays and f- the, the the seat stays they were flexing imagine yeah. that's crazy the frame
1: <laughs> was was bending yeah as, as i said there, there were no perfect parts for for this kind of riding that was uh completely new and yeah, the, the colors also changed. You you still remember the yellow brakes, Chris. Um, yeah. But we also had the red ones. Uh, I think it was also when Bart Brandtions uh, won the first Olympic mountain bike race in Atlanta uh, 1996, I guess. He was also on our HS win brakes, and that was really an, an opener for us because then you, you can imagine all the TV um, people just uh, saw uh, Bart winning this first olympic mountain bike race on our brakes, and from that moment on it was just uh, yeah going crazy awesome
0: and where where does the name magura come from is there a history
1: there yeah that's that's a typical german thing um <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely on on some trade fairs sometimes people ask us if it's if it's asian because it sounds a bit asian and then we just laugh because that's just in german tradition yet that you sometimes combine um uh, a few uh, what is it called a few um parts of the um of the company place uh-huh. which is uh, in our in our example, Urach, but Urach, so that's the second part of the word Magura, uh-huh. and uh, a few, um, and um, a part of the word of the founder that okay. was Gustav Magenwirt. And so Magura is just a combination of this place and the founder, which then comes up to, to Magura, yeah, a, a German okay. thing. <laughs> cool.
0: Do you know the background behind the fluorescent yellow? Because that's the color, I guess, that everyone sort of recognizes from gear. was there some thought that went into that or was that purely a kind of an accident
2: i think it's it a, was it's a, yeah. it's a it's a like i know the the brand from really long time ago and they switched in many colors they were like how you say well uh, or they were cool Like Mm -hmm. back in the days, it was this kind of turkeys and orange. And then it was like, then they tried to have the power sports segment in a different color as the bicycle segment Uh and so on and so on. And then um, we went to a big agency, it's called Kiska and Kiska is doing KTM, Husqvarna and all the big names. And then they said like, yay, you need to show your color. And so, and then we decided like with them together as a pitch, this is yellow and, and the black definitely ah. that's 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 the truth
0: yeah so it was a con- yeah, conscious decision yeah it's super recognizable yeah. but let, let's talk a bit about the technology side then uh dominic obviously you've had this huge history in in the motorbike world and in the automotive world has that helped kind of bring technology into the mountain bike side of things and, and also does it go back the other way as well
1: um yeah definitely um i think it's it's really important to point out that we are also not this huge huge company where you have uh, divisions in spain and italy and everywhere on the world no we are we are still sitting here in germany and we have some some crazy people in the r&d team which then had the thought hey let's uh, let's take our hydraulics know-how and um, not only make motorcycle products let's do some breaks for this mountain bike uh, people over there and i think at the moment we we still have this connection in our R&D department you know our our teams are, are still sitting together they are working together and for sure this helps to uh, to mix things up and um, in the end we then have this uh, technology transfers and if you take a look at the bicycle uh, sector at the moment the times are changing um, for sure you have this e-bikes at the moment which are heavier faster and really have uh, new requirements for for the products and so it's good for us and for sure it's a benefit for our products that we have the possibility to um,
2: yeah to use this foundation and when you look at the at the at the location of magura chris then you have like at the landscape, especially if the shape, Urach is in a valley. So when you develop a brake and you have your first prototypes, you can ride up to the, to the castle and you have some really steep technical trails. You have fully descent trails. Like you can test your brakes.
1: And what That's the perfect.
2: engineers do is like they ride their bike home and to work. <laughs> of course. And then, you know, like like everything started this is this is uh i would say the uh, the
0: dna yeah nice sounds like a dream place to work then if you're uh, technically minded and light riding steep stuff and when you are like
2: the germans <laughs> 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 i'm just just kidding just well, kidding and,
0: and Germany's still a big part of the brand right you're still main you're still manufacturing some of the high-end brake products for mountain bike in germany right
1: yeah yeah that's right i think that's on one hand, a, a soft reason is that we are, yeah, as Tibor said, we are Germans, and I think we we love to be here and we want to stay here. Um, and also, for sure, we can we can train our people over here. We can uh, work with uh, work here, and here are our facilities. We have uh, our buildings over here. But on the other hand, also pretty important, um, we are then a bit closer to our OE customers because. For sure, you have this huge bicycle brands and customers which are producing in Asia, but there are still many, many brands producing in Europe and mm-hmm. they really want this uh, flexibility and also this environmentally uh, friendly production uh, possibilities. And that's where we are also pro- producing here. It's just more, more flexible. And, um, yeah, we, we have our know-how over here and. If you take a look at the corona pandemic, I think then we are really on the, in the right direction because, um, for sure. Also, we had some problems that our um, products we produced weren't enough and the demand was uh, just too high because everybody was going crazy. Hey, what can I do with my time? Uh, let's, let's go for a bike ride. <laughs> yeah. And, um, the, the demand was going crazy, but we then had the, um, yeah, the positive thing that um, we didn't have this huge, huge transportation waste uh, uh, overseas. And we were able to exceed our production numbers over here. Um, and that's definitely what what our main customers want, because we are still somehow in a European, German-based um, uh, brand. And uh, our main customers are customers like uh, Cube, uh Orbea is getting more and more important. We got Riesel Müller in the urban segment and they are producing over here. So it makes no sense that we produce all of our product in Asia. But for sure, on the other hand, uh, we we also have one production plant in, in Asia um, that's a bit more the, the cheaper brakes. So you can generally say that the high end brakes like the MT7s and MT8 brakes, they are still made in Germany um, and cheaper brakes are coming from Asia but that's also because of the transportation ways because this OE customers and bicycle manufacturers are sending their bikes over there and it would make uh, no sense for us to to, um, build the brakes over here, ship it then to Asia then the bikes get mounted over there and then they ship the bikes back to us in Europe that we can ride it in the Alps. So yeah that's just a globalization
0: you guys are obviously doing a good job because you've got some of the the biggest athletes in the business on the product um let's start with one of the biggest names i suppose Loic bruni dominic are you the right person to tell us a bit about how that relationship started
1: yeah 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 that's that's still that's that's a good story and it was definitely also an an eye-opener for us you you know as i said yeah, we are we are not a small brand with only five employees but we are also not ten thousand employees so when uh specialized gave us a call it was pretty an honor for us uh, to to work with those guys and um it was pretty interesting that the connection also with the downhill team first started with a cross-country team uh-huh. because first it was uh, i think you know the name christoph sauser Mm-hmm. The cross country, the cross country guy, and he was the performance manager of the cross country team uh, in 2017, I guess, and he was just looking for the yeah for well performing um, and especially durable, uh durable setup for for his team because this team in the cross country sector they are always focusing on the Cape Epic stage race in South Africa. Uh-huh. Which is for sure known as the most punishing and hardest, uh, stage race you can do, not only for the, for the rider, but also for the bicycles. You know, every, every year the teams are facing flats and, um, frames are broken and the suspension. So really hard circumstances over there in South Africa. So Christoph also just wanted to, to give their, their riders the, the best setup. And then he also tested our brakes and he was, he was pretty happy, and then asked for, yeah, for a partnership. And yeah, we are we are still pretty pretty proud that uh, that that's uh, the story how it started. And yeah, we we first started with the cross country team, but for sure then all the ways in the specialized uh, facilities are also not not so long. And um, also the gravity team um, came into play and and asked for for Magura and tested it
0: yeah tell us a little bit about that first test because i think were you there dominic
1: yeah I, it was more or less the first years when i when i was at magura and then i had the, the honor to to go there and i was also young it's many years ago and um it was it was pretty amazing for me to to join them over there but also for the for the whole factory we we, we just packed our racing bus and a few guys from the ind department and i think the boss from the R&D department. And then we drove over to, to Cannes uh, in South of France, where right. Proneer is living because we really wanted a test situation at his home where he knows every curve, every berm, every jump, just to, to have the possibility to focus on, on the brakes and the product. And yeah, then we drove over there, did uh, mounted a brake and did a few test runs and, um, then after the first test runs, everybody was somehow waiting for for his feedback. Hey, hey, Luke, what do you think? How how is the break? And then we really saw that. Hey, we we are talking to one of the most professional downhill riders over there because, yeah, Luke, he he wasn't like, hey, yeah, I like the break. Let's change this or that. No, he was. He was escaping for I think 30 minutes in his bus and just making some drawings and notes. And it was really from the from the first time on, it was an uh, cooperation on, on eye level um, that our IND teams really had the, this great feedback of, of the athlete and it was yeah, it was it was nice. It's it's still a big thing for us and um, we we did the signature lever in the end for for Luc Bruny and we did some small changes on our breaks so this this feedback from our athletes it's really something where we can grow and um, make our products better yeah
0: is it true that Loic drew the lever that he wanted on a serviette at dinner after the first day of testing
1: yeah yeah we we once did in, in <laughs> post on social media perhaps you saw it it's uh, yeah, that's a story from from one of our R&D employees. That um, for sure, this uh, nerd talks about um, brake performance and break characteristics. Uh, yeah, just continued un- until dinner. And during dinner, um, Luik really, uh, yeah, made a first sketch of the level shape how we wanted it, because from from the first moment, on Luke was always wanting a an, um, an lever shape and lever adjustment, which was pretty far out, so pretty far away from the handlebar. He turned the reach adjust, um, I think, to the maximum that it's so far. Um, and then at this position, um, our our lever, lever wasn't parallel to the handlebar. And yeah. he wanted us to change it, but he also has some individual preferences about the round shape of the lever and stuff like that. And he really did some some perfect drawings, which were then actually the um, the starting point from where we started to to print some some test levers for for Luke We printed a few lever shapes for him, um, and in the end, uh, the lever he liked the most from this printed levels was actually also the level that was the closest to his first drawing so <laughs> yeah it was Luik is an amazing guy he really knows what he does and he's not he's not only in rider he's really he, I think we would hook him up for our development team if he wouldn't be in downhill rider because he's so in detail and knows everybody, everything about the products and it helps us a lot at the moment
0: yeah, that's cool. And three D printing, I guess, has has become quite an important part of stuff for you. Then it enables you to prototype things like levers super quickly, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Quickly was was the most important thing because I think we started working with them in October or November after the season, and mm-hmm. also the season break is is getting shorter and shorter. If you look uh, this year, we have the World Cup in Lourdes in in March again, mm-hmm. so that just is short time period where you can test and uh, try new things and we went there to can then came with some drawings and some notes what we have to change and then we needed some new parts i think in two weeks after Uh and uh, then we printed the lever and with 3d printing you can if you know how to do it then you can be pretty sure that it's uh, stable enough uh, for for testing and you can also print some hollow shapes to save some weight. So it's, yeah, it's just perfect to, to work with, with the teams. And, um, yeah, actually the, the first serial production level was also made from, C, uh, 3D printing because we then in the end had this perfect prototype individual for, for Louis Pony and then thought, Hey, why, why shouldn't we make it, uh, for the, for the normal market? And we had a 3D print partner who was able to it did um higher quantities for us and then we just put it on the market yeah yeah it's, and it's, it's been, changing yeah
0: it's been so popular that you've moved that away from 3d printing now yeah with more volume
1: yeah now we change because the volume was was so heavy but um in the first years we really had this uh 3d printed aluminium lever on the market on sale yeah Cool. Huh?
0: And another athlete that you guys have a long-standing partnership with, but um, a very different end of the riding spectrum is Danny McCaskill. Uh Thieb will tell us a bit about that because you've had a lot of uh, time spent with Danny, right?
2: Uh, that's right. I like his uh, his manager, Tarek, Tarek Razzulli. He I raced up with him. We were racing BMX together. So I met Danny, I would say, when he started getting famous. And, uh, when he was working with Tarek, uh, with the agency resolution and we spent a time in, in, in Abu Dhabi at the Laureus awards, uh-huh. and, uh, he was invited to do a show, not as an athlete to get nominated, but I guess now he was nominated and Kevin Bailey, uh, he was doing the show like this way around. Yeah. And, uh, that was pretty cool because all his ideas and his, I would say, compare to what Dominic said and to like Bruni, Denny's is the same on doing tricks they never never been seen yeah before and he was he was thinking about like a bunny hop uh, front flip and all that stuff and how he's doing it and all that stuff and this is the same thing like when he was talking about brakes like he was wishing to have a brake lever where his finger doesn't get squeezed imagine you're gonna break with one finger and the lever, you're gonna like when you, when you do trials, it's not like that you need the modulation as much as on downhill racing or enduro riding. They yep. lock the brakes and do these tricks, this um, hop hop thing and all that stuff, like crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And he locked the brakes and he was mentioned, like, hey, guys, I'm gonna squeeze my fingers. <laughs> and the, the shape, the back shape of the lever, of the HC lever, it was, it was really sharp on both edges. Uh and he said like hey can we do something like that i don't get my finger like i said like squeezed and stuff and uh that's the danny mcaskill invention that the back the back shape of the lever because he really loved the hd3 lever um has a different shape and this is the danny mcaskill shape and of course he's he's only riding the short levers it's a different kind of preference i would say yeah I I really love the 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 lever principle. As long as the as longer the lever is, I really feel much more comfortable. But yeah. that's a different thing, yeah, especially yeah. on tricks. But Dennis, Dennis from the beginning, imagine like when he was a kid and he was telling about his connection to Magura. He saw the brakes, like his first rim brake was the Magura, the HS thirty three we talked about. And it's a to be honest, it's an amazing story, and it was like. Uh, Sure, that to sign with Danny Mergasko, definitely. Yeah, very
0: cool.
1: Yeah, and and one thing to add, um, he also asked for some some kind of adjustability, Tibor, um, yeah, right. because he sometimes had the, the problem that um, if you if you are doing trials in in wet conditions and in dry conditions, right. you 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 are always asking for somehow a different uh, brake performance because you you need this. A uh, kind of modulation for for the wet um, situations that you um, that your rear wheel doesn't uh, slide and that it doesn't lock up too fast, uh, and uh, or you you need this heavy heavy power for for dry conditions to really do your your biggest tricks. And then Danny also saw that we uh, we always had an adjustable um, brake master on the motorcycle part. Uh, which is also called the HC uh, HC three. Oh, it's hard to say in, in English. We are uh-huh. we are German, sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, there we had the, the possibility to to give the riders some kind of adjustability to to adjust from uh, fine uh, bits softer modulation to totally on off breaking power, like downhill riders wanted to to break just at a yeah in a few meters with full power yeah. and then we uh, somehow developed this kind of special lever also for for Danny MacAskill and it was first uh, mounted on his uh, signature brake we um, put it into the market and this lever gives gives this kind of adjustability uh, which um, Danny MacAskill asked for because there's a small screw which is changing the level ratio of the of the lever um and this makes it adjustable
2: yeah the lever is pretty it's pretty tricky and Danny wasn't riding in daytime he was riding at nighttime because nothing was going on the streets were empty like when i was talking to him and he's like hey i i go out riding with my buddies at one o'clock in the night uh-huh. and then like nobody's there and <laughs> when it's raining he, he said like rain is it's is, i don't care so that's that's pretty interesting when when like when he's doing tricks, when he's, when he's training, when he's, he, I wouldn't say he's training. He was, he just want to ride with his buddies. And I remember a, a story with Danny. He's like, he didn't sign with a brand because his, he his friends, I would say more or less, they said like, they're not cool. Right. And he sticked a long time with orange, didn't get any money uh-huh. because it was his relationship. You know, like he's very. Uh, what's the English word for that? When you very loyal, the, loyal, like yeah. yeah, loyal. He's very loyal. You know, yeah, cool. And that's and that's, yeah. and that's uh, to be honest, like this is it could be silly, but it like this is his mentality. This is this is his yeah? That's Danny McGaskill.
0: Yeah, and he recently did a a video. I think it was called Slabs, where he rode down some ridiculously steep, very long exposed uh rock slabs up in scotland yeah. did you did you guys make a special lever for that it wasn't the standard hc3 that he normally use
1: yeah yeah we did um that's somehow you you can also call it the, the downtime that if you if you make a uh, signature levers for for athletes then they are asking for more and more and more and then you're <laughs> always doing some signature stuff and that that was also the case with this uh video project um now for sure, we were uh, happy to help, and it it gives us some some more know-how. But uh, Danny Macaskill was a bit afraid of this video project because it was just just massive. Those uh, rock walls on the Isle of uh, of Skye, I think it was, where he had hundreds of meters downhill, super super steep, not rideable for for normal people, and there he really asked for the most powerful setup. That was his question. Hey, Marua guys, I need the most powerful setup what can we do Uh and then for sure we we said to him hey you you have the mt7 that's the most powerful brakes the brake pads are also we can't do anything um and on the water side yeah we we have this new two piece 220 millimeter water you can give it a try but please be be careful that you will lose some some modulation because Uh it's for sure totally powerful but he said no i i need this and what what can we do more i need i need more power guys you you've never been at this rock walls if you see it then you really know what i need and um yeah then one of our R&D team it's it's a print pretty simple solution then we just um printed uh also 3d printing printed in a new uh, longer lever part for his uh-huh. HC3 lever because that's a two-piece lever, yeah. and uh, we just did it longer that he has a, a bigger uh, lever re- ratio. Mm-hmm. I think is it called to to produce more power. And okay. then he had the perfect setup for this uh, for this video project. But for sure, if you just ride it on uh, normal trails which are not too steep, then it's just too powerful and. Your rear wheel is just blocking up and stuff like this. I I think I mit, with my weight I don't want to ride it, but for for this um, for this video project, this was pretty suitable. Yeah, fair play. You've got to
0: trust your brakes to uh, to ride down that. That was a pretty insane project. Yeah. And you've got another Danny as a more recent addition to the Magira family. Danny Hart now using the brakes. Does he? Differ in his kind of setup and requirements from Loic at all?
1: Yeah, I think many athletes are, are differ in their setups. We we don't have this one typical downhill setup which every of our athlete is riding. Because as I said, uh, Luke Pony wants his uh, his lever adjustment pretty far out, so it makes sense to to put a new lever which is parallel to the handlebar in this sec, uh, in this position that he doesn't slip or slide on the on the lever. And yeah, the, the cube bike screw at the moment, Max Hartenstern, the German champion, was was always riding our two finger lever, mm-hmm. which is the, the longest lever, and so producing the um the biggest power and also saving arm arm strength. Um, and also Danny Hart is using this kind of lever because I think they just
2: want to save some some arm power on the downhills. Okay. Chris, but it's called th- th- this is the thing it's called two finger lever no uh-huh. one writes with two fingers on the lever yeah. it's but i would say like beginners or yeah but it's called two finger lever but you're gonna leave you're gonna use the lever adjustment and or the the lever principle and you're gonna yeah. put it like as much as direction to the stem and mm-hmm. have like the longest way so you need less effort yeah um, go then, ahead, it's, say. then it's
1: also one finger lever yeah you can right. use it like that perhaps perhaps we have to
2: change the name tibor it's a bit confusing <laughs> i had i had the issues with the magazines they always said like hey tibor we go t- go back to magura let's bring us a one finger lever it said like no one writes with two fingers so use it as a two finger no 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 we need i was like no way no way yeah. that was that was pain in the yeah
1: yeah, the, the name makes sense for the urban segment because are uh, many, yeah, many right. people are still breaking with two fingers I because agree. they just feel more safe. If you are not an educated mountain bike rider like, like we are, then most of the people feel more safe with two fingers. Yeah. Fair yeah.
0: play. Cool. So you clearly do lots of development with your athletes. Do you also get feedback from regular riders? And how, how do you go about doing that?
2: That's, I would say that's, that's, that's my question. Um, I did like many camps back in the days, like as, a, as an ambassador, you're going to do youth camps, you do riding camps, enduro skill camps, whatever you're going to call it. And what I've learned, especially the last two years, I did only women's camps and I was the only man who was allowed to go there, uh-huh. not to be like the, I, I don't know, the English expression in Germany you would say the Hahnem Korb. But it's uh, it's it's like the rooster in the in the crowd, you know. Okay. Yeah. But um, what I learned is, a woman, he would say, she would say, you know what? I don't want going to fast. Don't tell me fast is stable. Tell me how it's how you ride it slow. And they ride in the beginning with two fingers because they say like I feel safer. So you have so many different options. You get like from the kids there, I would say. They they do it not naturally. They do it what the marketing says, or what Loic says, or what Danny says. This is the work we do. Yeah. And um, there's so many there's so many different options, and we're gonna put all the input into the R and D to Danny to Loic, and in the end, I would say Chris that what we get from the athletes and from the feedback from the regular riders this is the break what we have right now and we have right now dominic four levers four different levers 3 yeah. 4 four so you can use one body and you can mount four different levers i guess you did it on wednesday mm-hmm. on your on your trying and I did. see and this is what we this is all the input we got from the last i would say last decade
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, so tell us a bit about all the customization options, uh Dominic, because like you say, there's the four different levers, but you've also got disc options, pad options, and then there's a two and a four piston option, I guess, depending on which brake yeah. you choose.
1: Yeah, we just uh, think and highly recommend that uh, one one brake doesn't fit all, you know um you you have smaller hands, bigger hands. The one guy is riding in, in steep stuff like uh, Danny McEskill in the slaps video. The other guy is just riding cross-country stuff. So there are always a few things how to adjust the, the brake and to uh, to change the setup to, to get in the end the, the perfect performance. And I think that's pretty special at Magura. And we just learned it from, from the athletes and from the camps, what uh, Tibor said. And in the end, at, at the moment we are paying, you can customize your brake in, in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. The first dimension is the performance, for sure. The, the most important thing of a brake, it has to perform well. You have to have the best uh, modulation for your use, but also the best power. And there you can choose at Magura between uh, different calipers. We have the two-piston and four-piston calipers. And then we have uh, four different rotors from uh, light rotors for our uh, cross-country world cup guys saving grams and having still nice amount of power for for those uh, short downhills um, and we have uh, three different uh, brake pads because that's also another thing you can't create a brake pad which performs um, perfect but is also perfect uh, durable mm-hmm. you always have this uh, compromises and so it's it's good to really find your perfect setup if you just think of always riding in the wet in winter conditions i all uh, sometimes change to a different brake pad which is more durable and gives me more modulation to have more control on on wet and slippery trails so it's you can you can really adjust the performance of the brake um, coming along with your preferences uh-huh. Then the, the second part is the uh, ergonomic thing. We just uh, learned from Luke Bruny and all the other stuff. I said it bef- uh, before that some guys really want long levers, perhaps also that they're able to break with uh, two fingers. Don't forget the urban segment, like I said. Um, and then we have adjustable levers, super light levers made from carbon counterside uh, for our cross-country teams. So there you can find your your ergonomics um and then the third thing that's something to play with uh we have also color options you yep. know we we all love our bikes and a bike doesn't only have to perform well it also have to look <laughs> pretty good yep. so we have uh, changeable colorings and uh, also um, other brake master covers so yeah for sure all this customization thing, it's, it's not for everybody. You can also just buy our um, serial MT7 setup and then most of the people will be happy and will get a nice performance. But if you really want to have the best performance out there and really want to adjust the brake to your needs and your use and your rider weight ride and your bike, then we give you... Uh, all the options and i think chris you you tried it it was it was pretty yeah we are pretty curious right now to <laughs> get to know what's what's your setup yeah so i've
0: i've been running the mt7 pro uh break just kind of as it comes out of the box for a, a, i guess a month or so just to kind of get used to the break um and yeah fair play I've, the performance is pretty mind-blowing like the amount of power yeah, I've never ridden a brake that feels so powerful. Um, but still has the modulation there. Like it's not snappy. Um, it feels like you can control that power, which is really, really cool. Like I've never, yeah, I've never felt like I'm need more brakes at this point, which is really cool. Um, and then, yeah, I've done a bit of messing around. I haven't, the only lever I've not tried is the two finger lever so far. I haven't had time to give that go. Um, but yeah, this week I did a like a back to back with the HC3 and then with the with lowex lever. Is that called the HCW?
1: Yeah, at the moment we we changed the name. We call it right now HC Wide Reach okay. Lever Blade, just yeah. to make sure. Hey, this lever is um, perfectly suited if you adjust your lever reach
2: uh, pretty far out. That's why call it, a, Wide Reach, and a, yeah. and a better name as a two finger lever. yeah yeah. we are we
1: are working on it
2: (laughs) chris what kind of uh rotor size did you uh did you write so we've got
0: uh 200 front and rear and it's the hc
1: yeah storm hc storm hc that's it yeah that's the
2: lighter and you i guess and the performance brake pads the gray ones I would let uh, the regular, as you said, like yeah, the the standard, box,
0: yeah, yeah. The that's performance the great, pads. that's
2: that's the performance pads, yeah, yeah, right.
0: yeah. And I think on the lever side, I think, and I I probably need some more time, but I think I'm favoring lowex lever, which is unusual for me because I would normally run the bite point quite close to the bar, and I've, I think, I think it was Fabian Burrell that was talking about. Ideally, you just want to be using the very end of your finger almost to break rather than kind of your whole finger to pull yeah. the brake in. Yeah. Um, so I set the levers up, uh, well, the Loic lever up, because it I guess because it's got that parallelism quite a long way out from the bar, it's, it feels natural to set it up with the bite point further out. And actually, I think that suits me. Like I've tried it on brakes in the past and it hasn't felt right, but it does feel right with that Loic lever. So yeah, I think I'm going to maybe do another ride with both the H 3 and the and the wide and then swap to to loic levers front and rear so i can just double check that preference but yeah i think that's where i'm ending up which kind of surprises me because i don't have big hands and it's almost the opposite of how i would have set brakes up in the past but it feels uh, like a lot more effortless to break with the bright point being a bit further out don't know if that makes sense from what you guys have learned
1: yeah
2: and did you, uh, did you mount the shift mix like, uh, the clamps yeah. you can? Oh yeah. So yeah yeah. when you have like the long lever, then you can switch the shift mix to the other mm-hmm. side to get like the shifter as yeah. Yeah. To pull it closer. The, yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah. 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 So it's set up, the setup feels great. And I think we, we had a brief chat, uh, probably a month so ago, Tibor, and you mentioned the power would increase even further on the brake with more riding. Um, Because I'd only done like a first ride then, I think. And yeah, it definitely has for sure. Even though I went through a fairly good bedding procedure, it's definitely a bit of riding and a bit of sort of winter mud and grit has definitely got everything bedded together. And it's,
2: yeah, the power is incredible, huh? That's, That's right. Even for me as a heavy rider, I ride a 200 disc in the front and a 180 on the back on an enduro bike with 170 millimeters, and it's enough yeah it's 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 so much power it's so much power and yeah i don't i don't ride the mdrp um, rotors the big ones yeah because it's 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 increased the power you know like the bigger rotors it's too much it's too much
0: (laughs) well yeah dominic tell us a bit about this because people are there is a trend to kind of bigger and bigger rotors i think as people are just searching for power maybe that's making up for brakes that are lacking i don't know but um is a bigger rotor always a better thing
1: yeah that's hard to say bigger bigger is not always better i think because for sure it's it's easy physics just just to say it um when you change from a 180 millimeter diameter rotor to an uh to 200 rotor then you get 10 percent more power that's yeah. easy physics and when you um Change then to in 220 water, you get 10% more power. Uh-huh. But you are also losing, it will be hard for your finger to, to modulate this uh-huh. huge amount of power. And uh, then you can perhaps get some problems on slippery trails or in, in wet conditions because your rear wheel is uh, just locking up and uh, you can't control your bike Perfect. Um, We also see it uh, at our uh, downhill riders. Um, They are still on the same setup as you at the moment, Chris. They are riding the 203 Storm HC rotors, which is not the most powerful rotor. And they also normally don't choose the 220 rotors because then they um, um, lose some modulation. And there was only one race last year where they changed to 220 rotors, and that was uh, Valdisole. Okay. And I think every downhill rider, and you saw the videos from downhill uh, from Valdisole, it's just punishing, madness. Uh, I don't know how many minutes. It's not a one-minute downhill. It's, it's pretty long. So you really need this power and also um, yeah, some, some more power to, to save some, some arm strength. But mm-hmm. also after Valdisole they changed again to two or three millimeter. And that's really one thing we, we have to point out. There is there mm-hmm. is a segment and a use where you should use two twenty rotors, especially when you think of a um, one hundred eighty millimeter EMTB. Yeah it's yeah. it's pretty heavy, pretty capable for for steep and heavy t- uh, trails. There you perhaps need a two twenty rotor, but it's it's not for not for everybody, yeah. yeah. And you also get the problem that um, it's not that easy to to heat the brake system um, uh, up enough. If you are too light for your for your setup, um, then you will never get this uh, your brake system set up at a certain heat which it needs to to be set up correctly. To be that the brake pads are bad incorrect and. Yeah. Yeah, when me, I'm under 70 kilos and uh, I will never heat uh, 220 water up uh, to it's where it has to be. Uh,
0: interesting. So a lot of people will think about brakes overheating. I think, that, you know, especially if you've been riding long enough, you've probably had a brake that you've overheated. It was definitely an issue back in the day. So what you're saying is there's, an, there's a potential to have underheated brakes as well, right? If they're too much for your setup
1: yeah definitely if you 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 have to bet your brakes incorrectly that's especially pretty important at with our setups you have to do thirty stops uh, on on flat surface um, from about twenty five or thirty Ks. so mm. you you have to do some sprints and same braking <laughs> to really bet your brakes in perfect that that the pads um, just get perfect it's hard to say in english um, that they get that in uh, Mm -hmm. perfectly and if you are a too light rider with a too huge
2: uh, brake setup then you will never get it get it right Uh, okay and it's very exhausting if you do this on the road on a uh, normal road you're going to be like 45 minutes sweating all over (laughs) or you have the chance to live maybe close to a bike park and they have a t-bar lift and you yeah. can break your when you are going up with the T bar you can break in your your brakes you know the system to get it really uh, heated yeah. and then yeah, you yeah. have a really nice brake performance yeah yeah and okay. don't
1: just don't just put your brake pads in and then go for a downhill run or something those short braking times um, just uh, ahead of the of the next berms are are too short to to get your sit up uh, on the correct heat mm-hmm so, really, really take your time, a few minutes, do it on the flat surface, and um, yeah.
0: If you if you're listening to this and you've not bedded your brakes in properly, you've just been out riding on them. Can you kind of bed them in subsequently and get that performance back, or is it lost on that set of pads once you've gone and ridden? Does that make sense? To
2: be honest, like what the cost, like what the customers telling me like especially on camps and all that stuff they're done okay they're done if you're going to do this mistake like you, maybe you can you can use the rotor but the brake pads for sure they're done you need mm-hmm. for sure 100 new brake pads and then you have the chance but you have to do this uh this braking in again yeah God, definitely yeah. Definitely. And
1: perhaps yeah. perhaps another tip from my side, when you are riding perhaps a day, it's it's just shitty weather and it's uh, totally Good only point. dirt on the trails. Then you can also, after this day, uh, do another bed-in procedure uh, okay. with your brakes to get rid of all this dirt of your brakes. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, when you really want the perfect performance, do the bed-in procedure sometimes during the year, not only at the beginning do okay. it also a few times uh later just to get rid of all this uh, dirt and and bad surface of your brake pads and then you have them clean again and yep. perfect performance
0: got yeah and you talked about pads all your brake pads are organic is that right
1: yeah that's that's right at the moment all of our pads are organic um one thing is that uh, we then just have the perfect performance for for us, and uh, with organic pads, it's easy to now not easy, but it's it's possible to adjust uh, the characteristics while development a bit smoother mm-hmm. um, with different organic uh, options. and uh, on the other hand, um, you know while developing a brake, it's always important that the heat doesn't get inside the the caliper and Uh more or less uh, stays a bit more in the rotor to to get the stability, the heat stability. And sintered brake pads, which are metallic, obviously, um, they build a heat bridge between the rotor where the brake gets hot and also the caliper. So in the end, you get a really hot caliper and this uh, may cause... On one hand, the durability of your brake with all the um, the rubber parts inside, yeah. and um, it will also um, change the stability of the brake.
0: Yeah, so you can get brake fade or bike position wandering yeah. about that sort of thing. Cool, and
2: and that's why it's so important that like all Magura brakes they it develop in a bundle. You know, like if you now switch to a different rotor company, different brake pad company what people Uh do because they they are in the forum and they say like hey use this brake and do this and switch and and do this and that don't do that don't do that you're gonna you maybe it's it's better in the beginning because you do you didn't do the the brake uh uh, the break in and all the procedure Mm -hmm. and but for long lasting brake use a magura rotor magura brake pads and a magura brake and the adapter Excellent. for sure the adapter
0: got yeah okay and i think as with all brakes i've heard a few people say that they're very easy to bleed and some people have said that they have issues with them are there any tricks that you guys have to to get that bleed perfect
2: what you can do uh, it's, it's so funny i did a i i had a bet with a with a journalist on a on the eurobike exhibition and i we had this bet going on to bleed the brakes in 24 seconds <laughs> if i'm not if I'm not able to do it, I had to do like twenty push ups or twenty four push ups and we made it, but this is the 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 thirty the thirty seconds bleeding mm-hmm. so what you need is like we have we have three options we have like you're gonna mount the brakes and you're gonna do the hosing into the frame this takes longer okay yeah yeah, so your brakes are mounted and you have problems with uh yeah with the pressure so then you can use the thirty seconds bleeding procedure. You need mm-hmm. the syringe, you need the twenty-five uh, torques, and which is really cool. Every screw on the mountain on the Magura brakes are twenty-five torques. That's okay. that's pretty cool. And nice. you need the uh, the mineral oil, um, the the Magura blood, and some paper towel. What you do is you're gonna use your you're gonna do, put your lever in a horizontal position. Mm-hmm. You're gonna open the screw. And then you fill up the syringe with 20 milliliter of Magura blood. You're going to add 5 milliliter of air. Uh And you make sure you have a hole on 30 millimetre. So listen, you're going to put the syringe into the brake lever. You're going to pull out, press in, pull out, press in, pull out, press in. And you're going to see some bubbles going up. And then when you finish your procedure after three, four times you're going to pull the syringe, the top of the syringe, over the 30 millimeters that the Magura blood, like the the oil, the mineral oil, goes down and gets settled. And then you're going to put your finger on the hole and you're going to remove the syringe and your brake is bleeding. You're going to... Close, close the screw and all that stuff. That's yeah. pretty fast. That's I would say like that's a pretty fast procedure. You're going to find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's the fastest thing you can do. And the most important thing to do this, you need new brake pads, or you're going to use the the brake pad saver.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about this. So they come fitted, don't they, with this? Like, looks yeah. like it's just a pad spacer, but it's got a quite a lot of other functions
2: as well, right? Right, right, right. But like, you have to use this, otherwise. You're gonna to have too much mineral oil in the brakes. So uh-huh. don't do this procedure when you have like I would worn say ed- pets. Yeah. exact one out pads. Okay, That's- yeah, because you're gonna end up with the brake right. rubbing, right? Yeah. And like you all you are always it's always possible like to mount a Magura brake, uh, do the internal routing without bleeding them. Okay. Imagine you're going to cut the housing. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to left, I would say, like, who? that's going to be hard to explain and not showing the people. You know, I can do you signs because we're on the video chat. But imagine you're going to leave 20, 20 centimeter lever to the uh, 20 centimeter housing to the lever. Uh-huh. You left it over. You're going to cut it and then you're going to do the, the perfect length to your bike. Yeah. And then you open the screw. And left the mineral oil, the rest of the mineral oil of the twenty centimeter um housing in like dropping into the into the housing of the brake lever. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then you're gonna um connect it and with like the, the mineral oil, which is too much, it drops out. Mm-hmm. But there is no air inside. And cool. you and you don't need it to bleed it anymore, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And because it's mineral oil, you don't need to bleed the brakes very often anyway right
2: that's that's true that's true i would say but like if you do this procedure if you do any mistake i would say you have to bleed it yeah you have to bleed it but um like a service it's it's i would say service free but if you do like twenty thousand uh vertical meters uh in two months let's check it or uh, remove the oil or it it depends on how, how much you ride your bike
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Can you offer any guidance on how you'd know when you need to bleed the brake just after general use? Like, do they start to feel different or?
2: That's definitely, but to be honest, like I would check my bike every season, at least, Uh, at least if you ride it very often earlier, every two months, but at least every season, even like the suspension, the bearings, the bottom brake. like, yeah, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, play and it seems like you guys have put a lot of uh, of effort into like the instructional side of things. I think the breaks <laughs> themselves have, they come with the most comprehensive set of instructions <laughs> I've ever seen with a break, um, and also like you've got loads of stuff on YouTube. Like there's a video for everything, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We just <laughs> we just want to help. I think I think we have so many options, and there are so many things that you can you can tune on your break, and for sure that we then need the instructions because. Yeah, we just want to be open that that everybody can feel the difference when you change some some um, parts on your break and stuff. And therefore, we we have a huge uh, YouTube channel with all the introductions and uh, tech videos and stuff, and also some uh, comparison charts. We are we are talking about levers, and hey, this or that lever. And for sure, we also have some diagrams where you can really see lever one has power and uh, the other lever has perhaps a bit less power and then you can really find your setup in in a few minutes it's it's not too complicated um we really try to make it as easy as possible because for sure you have uh, several options
0: cool and any other like general tips and tricks on how to look after disc brakes it doesn't have to be magura specific stuff but there are certain things that you see the majority of people not doing that would be helpful
2: i would like to add one thing on the bleeding if you Uh have problems with your rear brake and you're going to do the fully bleeding procedure please you have to take your rear adapter and the brake off the bike it needs to be uh vertical not horizontal That's really yeah. important. Like you can mount, you can leave the, the front brake mounted on the fork.
0: Yeah, because it's vertical there, yeah.
2: And that's really important. People don't do it. And what you do then, if you're going to bleed your brakes, you're going to put or you're going to bring air inside. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it does the totally option. So please remove, like if you, you're you going to bleed your brake on Magura, the rear brake has to be well taken off so that there's no nowhere that air can
0: get trapped i guess it's always going to go up the hose yes please that's from my side the most
2: important tip yeah got yeah you. Cool.
1: i can just uh, repeat my advice from before that uh, bedding in is uh, pretty pretty important uh not only do it uh, when you have a new brake and a new on new brake pads or rotors but also do it regularly just to get rid of the dirt of your brakes then you always have the the perfect surface because Yeah, for sure, the brake pad is not only in uh, in part that you run out and then throw away. It's really crucial for the braking performance. So you have to be careful that the surface is good, not full of dirt.
0: Yeah. What about cleaning? Would you try and keep things like, I don't know, muck off or whatever away from the discs and the pads?
1: Yeah, please. Please be careful uh, that your rotors and also the pads doesn't get into in contact with um yeah with muck off or stuff for sure it's not it's not so so bad and you won't wound your your pets but uh, please be careful because it will it will help yeah
0: yeah well that stuff if you do get it on will it kind of cook off once you get them up to temperature maybe just the first few applications aren't great is that how it works or
2: i would say i would say yes like oh dominic left again no, he's there. Okay, sorry. So okay. um, I would recommend you this to, to cook it off, but uh, make sure that the first <laughs> the first meters you do is not a descend. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that's really important. And like especially for, for us Germans or for us Europeans, it's I would say well known. Like many people have different bikes. If you don't use your bike for the winter season or for any season. You can mobilize your pistons imagine we're going to talk uh, mt7 so we have four pistons and four pistons all need to work in the same way it could be that one piston is not working what you can do is like you mobilize your your um your pistons and that's very easy you don't need any tool you need nothing the only thing you need is just one finger on the rotor and one finger on the brakes so you're going to push the rotor to one side and push the, the brake lever for some time and then you're going to push it to the other side you do it for one time. You're going to push it to the left, to the right and then you're ready to go. Okay. That's, so that's a- if,
0: if you've like left your brakes for a while not used them or if you just noticed that you've got a sticky piston there. Right.
2: Would, you, would you clean
0: the pistons at all at any point? Like take the pads out and give them a bit of a clean? Or-
2: no, you don't need to. You don't mm-hmm. need to clean the pistons because the pistons... That's Dominic needs to help me. There's a word for it. They... Is a
1: ceiling over there?
2: There's a ceiling and they always get fluid or not fluid, but the mineral Uh, oil is in there. So there's a system. Yeah,
0: There's a lubrication system. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Thank you, Chris.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're with Magura now. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you, Thank you. (laughs) Good stuff. And yeah, you guys have got a really cool giveaway, right? For one lucky downtime listener. Dominic, can you tell us a bit about the prize?
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah um i'm i'm glad to tell you um we we want one of your listeners uh to really feel that one break doesn't fit all and uh, that's why we are giving away a complete set of uh, mt7 break together with uh Uh, different rotor types and also lever types and brake pads just to give one listener the the full setup of a pro athlete uh, to try and and find his setup like like you did chris Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah perhaps in the end it would be nice for us to to get his feedback also and perhaps also for your listeners and followers to to get some some information uh what the winner was choosing and uh, likes the most Definitely.
0: Yeah. And I'll, um, I'll put some information into the intro and outro of this episode. So people hopefully will already know how to enter. Um, if they don't, it'll be in the outro for sure. And I'll, uh, yeah, I'll repeat that uh, on a few different points so that people can get stuck in and enter because it is an awesome prize. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, tinkering, I guess, playing around and trying different things and, uh, and experiencing that because, yeah, I've, I've, never had the opportunity to change brake lever on the same brake and it's been really interesting and I definitely think I've been at a home in I don't think I'm quite there yet but I definitely think I'm going to end up with a better brake setup for me as a result of having those options so yeah, it's it's super cool so thanks thanks for that and yeah I'm uh, stoked to get one listener through the same little experiment because it's a lot of fun um yeah it's been really interesting finding out more about you guys and about Magura and the way you work with all the athletes and and what's been going on there if people want to find out a bit more where should they be looking
1: i think for the tech informations youtube is a is a place to be to, uh-huh. to perhaps scroll uh, through our videos and enjoy some some advices how to get the best setup and uh, installation of your brake. and then yeah for sure instagram website we have all but mm-hmm. i would recommend the youtube
0: Cool. Okay. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes for the episode over on my website so people can find that. But yeah, thanks a lot. And, uh, hope you guys have a good 2022 with all of your athletes and race programs and all the stuff you've got going on and hopefully catch you both at a race or an event sometime soon.
2: That will be great. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Perfect.
0: That's uh, a pleasure. Cheers. All right. That's it for this episode with Dominic and Tibor. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Magura for supporting this episode. Don't forget that you can win a full MT7 Pro customise your brake bundle from Magura. All you need to do is to head over to Downtime Podcast on Instagram and find the post from Monday the 24th of January that shows all the brake options. Then you need to make sure you're following me and at Magura underscore bicycle and tag three friends in the comments who you think would also want to enter. One lucky winner is going to be chosen at random on the 1st of March so you've got until the end of February to enter. Best of luck. A massive thanks to the Strength Factory. If you live a busy life, but you're looking to make sustainable gains in your fitness this year, then their over 40s MTB program is for you. The program is written so that you can do it in a gym, but you can also do it at home with just a few resistance bands. If you want a bit more than that, and you've got more time and energy, then their complete MTB program is the one for you. So if you want to be better this year, then head over to thestrengthfactory.uk now and check the programs out. That's thestrengthfactory.uk. Also a massive thanks to Cotic, a brand that not only makes great bikes, but are also doing good things for our sport and for the planet in general. Their customer focus means that they've adapted to all the supply chain disruption by offering partial builds and offering to swap out components with stuff you might already have. It really is your bike built for you. So if you want a new bike, they're going to do everything they can to help you make it happen. You can check them out over at kotick.co.uk or give them a call and talk to an actual person about your dream build. If you like print and you want a quality mountain bike product in your life, then the brand new biannual Downtime EP is the one for you. It's a collab with the incredible team over at Miss Spent Summers, so if you've ever read Hurley Burley, The World Stage, Spent or Meltdown, then you'll know just how good Downtime EP is going to be. Head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now to get yourself a copy of issue one. Also, the full range of merch is ready to go over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. There's t-shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, and joggers, and all proceeds go to help improve the show. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, there's a few things you can do to help out. The first and most important is to spread the word. Tell your rider mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Secondly, share the episodes on your social media. It's an awesome way to spread the word and get some buzz going around the episodes. And if you've got a bit of time left, then a review on Apple Podcasts is still super helpful too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride.